book of the Bible. Genesis chapter 1. So you should have two sheets of paper in front of you. Hopefully everyone has one. If you don't, we have some extras. Does everyone have a copy of the notes? It's two sheets. One is essentially a syllabus on the first 11 chapters of Genesis. And the second one is notes that I want to talk about a little bit this morning. So while you're opening your Bible to Genesis 1 and making sure you have the notes, let me just give you a quick synopsis of how we're going to do this. Here's how we're going to do this. Genesis is divided into essentially two parts, or at least we're going to divide it into two parts. Part one is going to be the first 11 chapters of Genesis. Part two is going to be the remaining 39 chapters of Genesis. And what I like to do is go through Genesis like this. Rather than going verse by verse, line by line, chapter by chapter, we're going to approach Genesis from, I'll call it 3,000 feet, we're going to look at some major individuals, major sets of people, major groups of people. And here's how we're going to do that. The first group will be Adam and Eve. We're going to spend a couple of weeks on Adam and Eve. Then we're going to talk about Cain and Abel. And then we're going to talk about Noah and Nimrod. Noah's in chapter 6, Nimrod's in chapter 11. Those are the first 11 chapters. We'll do that in the month of March. Then we're going to get into the family of Abraham. Abraham and Sarah. Isaac and Rebecca. Jacob and Rachel and Leah. And then we're going to talk about their kids. Like there's this guy named Joseph. Jamie may know something about Joseph. We're going to talk about Joseph. And that'll take us to chapter 50. So we're going to cover those seven groups and we're going to focus on where we find Jesus in Genesis. That's right. You didn't think he was there, right? The name Jesus, he may not be there by specific name, the way we enunciate it, but he's there in the divine names. He's there in Elohim. He's there in El Shaddai. He's there in Adonai. He's there in Jehovah. He's there in Yeshua. Jesus is there as part of the divine trinity that is responsible for the creation of all things. Amen? Exciting. I'm looking forward to Genesis. We've taught it before back in the early 2000s. We're going to do it again in, in a different approach with Jesus being the primary focus. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for this time together. We thank you for your word. Please teach us to grow, teach us to learn, and then teach us to share. May you be glorified today in our service, and may your people be edified in Jesus' name. Amen. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 reads as follows. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. In that one verse, just, just kicking Genesis off, in the one verse, we see three references to a plural pronoun. Three references. 
What are they, Pastor Will? They are let us. There's the first plural pronoun. Here's the second one, according to our. That's the second plural pronoun. And the third one, let them, and, and our image, and the third one is according to our likeness. Who is the hour? The hour is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. There at the very beginning before all things. And the Bible lets us know in Hebrews chapter 11, by faith, chapter 11, verse 3, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command and that we now see that we did not come, now see that we did not come from anything that can be seen. God made us in what's called fiat creation, that is something out of nothing instantaneously. He made us, he created all living things. He created us by himself. He did not require evolution. He did not require 17 billion years. He did not require masses amount of time and chance and of happenstance for creation to come into being. God did it in a matter of instant creation, at least in six days, six solar 24-hour days. Genesis lets us know that we were created. Let me read one other verse in Mark chapter 13, verse 19, that talks about the creation that God used as a means of creating and providing all things. It says in Mark 13, 19, turn if you will, for in those days shall be affliction such as was not from the beginning of the creation, which God created until this time, neither shall be. What, what Jesus is saying there in Mark is, is that he's letting us know that Revelation, the book of Revelation, we studied Revelation, not Revelations, not plural, but singular, the revelation of Jesus Christ. It harkens back, ladies and gentlemen, to Genesis. And God said, things are going to be different but they're going to follow a pattern that was established in the book of Genesis. In the book of Genesis, God destroyed the world by water. After people resisted the preaching of Noah for 120 years, God destroyed the world by water. He made a promise evidenced by a rainbow that he would not do it again by water, that the next time the earth was destroyed, the next time the world rather was destroyed, it would be by fire. It would be the destruction that Peter talks about in 2 Peter, I believe. It would also be something that God gives us plenty of warning about, uh, the way he did for the people that lived in the days of Noah who had tons and tons of time to get right, and they chose not to get right. Like we have today, we have tons and tons of time to get right with God, and people still resist the call of the Lord. They still resist the call of repentance in spite of the fact that God gives us chance after chance after chance. Amen. A couple of verses that kind of reiterates that as we close. 
I love this one in the New Testament. I love it when the New Testament confirms and verifies and even expounds or extends information that we get in the Old Testament. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 16, it says this. Listen, for by him all things were created. This, re this is references to Jesus because we're, we're learning Genesis uh, Jesus in Genesis. Uh, Paul in his letter to the church at Colossae says, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. I love that part. Whether or throne, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or, or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Who is the him that's referring to here? It was created by the Lord Jesus, for the Lord Jesus, through the power of the Lord Jesus, as well as uh, for his glory. It goes on to say in Revelation chapter 4, verse 11, Worthy are you, O Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will, by God's will, by the Lord's will, they existed and were created. That's good news. Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 6 says, You are the Lord, you alone. You made heaven, the heaven of heavens, with all their hosts, and the earth and all that is on it, the seas and all that is in them, and you preserve them all, and the host of heaven worships you. That's Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 6. I love this word. He says, you made the heavens and the heaven of heavens. That means God made the earth. He made all the atmosphere above the earth, and he made all the atmospheres, stratospheres, ionospheres above our earthly orbit. So there is basically, not basically, there is no room for Darwin's theory of evolution. There is no room for the origin of species. There is no room for the Big Bang Theory. There is no room for the religion of atheism or evolution because God created everything for him, by him, through him. And he holds it together to this day. Isn't that great to know? I'm just so thrilled about Genesis because I think it sets a foundation for understanding the rest of scripture. It's, dis, it's, it's appalling and disturbing that so many churches and Christians dismiss Genesis as allegory or parable or fable or make believe that Genesis is given this kind of like ab, abstract, non-physical, status and it's not treated as though it is absolutely concrete and true it's cre it's treated kind of like as a fable or an example or some theory genesis is not a theory and if we listen if we check out on genesis and say that's really not true at least the first two chapters then where do we check in at and where well, how who gives us the academic or the authority to tell God and, and, and suggest that scripture is only accurate in some places or it's, it's only literal in some places. That, that Genesis is figurative. That Genesis is optional. 
Don't ever make the mistake of thinking that God's word can be set aside in a, as a private interpretation. It's all his word. It's all true. And we are to accept it and believe it, all of it. The entire, as Ezekiel says, the entire counsel of God. Amen. And I think the point in um, at the point in my emphasizing is, is that Genesis absolutely gives us a purpose for understanding the rest of Scripture. Because if we don't believe, listen, if we don't believe Genesis one twenty six that we are created in His image and His likeness, then it cheapens life all the way down the line. It makes it possible for abortion. It makes it possible for euthanasia. It makes it possible for genocide. It makes it possible for a dislike or, or, or a disregard for human life. It makes it possible for anarchy and chaos because you don't believe in law or morality or order or structure or divine consequences. If you throw out the biblical record of creation, it allows all kinds of other stuff to take its place. And don't believe for a second that atheism and evolution and all the other scientific alternate explanations of the beginning of life are anti-Bible and anti-God. It's a war against God. Any belief that flies in the face of Genesis is an alternative belief system that is basically a religion. It's basically a way of saying God's way didn't work. Here's what really happened. There was this massive explosion and, and on and on. And that order and sophistication came out of chaos. Give me a break. Not, no way. I'm not an anthropologist or a scientist or a biologist or any of those things, but I can tell you this. I can tell you this, the Boeing 740 plane, the Boeing 747, this I know because, well, I read it, so I'm assuming it's true. But the Boeing 747 has, uh, has been alleged to be made up of over 6 million parts, components, to build this plane. Imagine a Boeing 747 being constructed out of junk and scrap that you would find at a junkyard and somehow over time assembling itself together into this massive machine that you could fly from here to China and it would support defying the laws of gravity. It would be aeronomically, aerodynamically accurate and support life and allow you to make that flight. Who would get on a plane that came together by chance even if it was by chance over 17 or 16 or 18 billion years, probably not. But in spite of the, the, the uh, I was reading this the other day, in spite of the sophistication of a Boeing 747 or a handmade Swiss watch or any other very sophisticated device, just one cell in a human body is more complex than that. One cell. And we have, a, we have trillions of cells in the body. One cell, one little cell. I was reading about DNA and how the science of DNA is still evolving because there's so much that we don't know about DNA. Matter of fact, it's why some cases get thrown out of court and trials and verdicts are, re are reversed because sometimes DNA evidence is inaccurate because we're still trying to wrap our minds around it. 
We're still trying to understand amino acids. We're still trying to understand that nanoscience that is called DNA and all of the little things that goes into a single cell, a single human cell. God is so brilliant. God is so intelligent that he creates our, our lives where it replenishes, it regenerates, it revives, it repairs itself. This is all a part of an intelligent God. Not just an intelligent being, but an intelligent God, the God of the universe who created heaven and earth. And according to Colossians, still to this day, this November, February 18th, 2024, upholds all things by the power of his word. Not gravity, not science, not physics, not astronomy, but the power of God's word. His where he says, stay in order. And things stay in order. He says, planets don't collide and planets don't collide. He says, stars don't blow up and the stars don't explode. He says to the sea, don't come any further. And the sea stops at the line where land is. That's God. You say, well, what about tsunamis and hurricanes and earthquakes and all of those things? That's still God saying, okay, you can go further now. But even a lot of the what we call natural disasters like earthquakes and tsunamis and hurricanes and tornadoes and brush fires and forest fires, even that is under God's instructions and domain and has good results, ultimately has good results for life on earth. I won't go into all how the tectonic plates, plates below the earth move and that allows minerals and nutrients to come to the surface and sustains life and reproduces life and provides a, a sustenance of life that wouldn't happen otherwise. But be it known that God is always in control. Amen. God is always in control. And I think if there's nothing else that you can take away from this message, this lesson, and that is that God, as the God of Genesis, the God of Abraham, Jacob, Isaac, and Joseph, the God who started it all in Genesis 1-1 is still the God that's on the throne today, and he's still in us today. That God, as a believer, you have that power we have that dunamis, is the Greek word, in us, alive in us. According to Ephesians 3.20, he is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think. And here's the key phrase, this last prepositional phrase that sort of qualifies that whole verse in Ephesians 3.20. According to the power, according to the power of God that works in us. That's how we're able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think. Be encouraged. Genesis is a great place to start your journey. If you're on a, still on, working on your New Year's resolution, don't worry, we're only six weeks in. You can still make it. Start in Genesis. Start at the beginning. Start where God started. Start where it all started. In the book that starts the beginnings, the book of beginnings, the book that lays the foundation for all the other 65 books that lays the foundation for God's message of redemption to the world, paradise restored, getting us back to where God wanted us, getting us back to our place, the place that God intended for man to be. 
in fellowship with him in harmony. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for your word and we thank you for this message. We ask that you would just help us, Lord, to be faithful to you and faithful to your word. Help us to understand what you've written in your word that relates to us becoming like Jesus, being made in his likeness, growing in his image, growing in his continents, thinking like Christ, acting like Christ, talking like Christ, living like him. Lord, help us to be living, walking, breathing, thinking ambassadors of you that we might represent you and show the world what you look like. Lord, may you witness through us. May we be good representatives for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. 